0: Hey folks, welcome to the house of Krause. I'm Richard Kraus. If you're like me, you are a child of the eighties. If you're not like me, maybe you can also be a child of the eighties too anyway, semantics. What I mean to say is if you grew up in the 1980s, you probably are familiar with phrases like gag me with a spoon, gnarly, grody to the max. These are things that, that Somebody said, not so much my friends, but people around me, I suppose, were saying because they learned them from a song. They learned them from a Frank Zappa song called Valley Girl, vocalized by his daughter, a 14-year-old named Moon Unit Zappa. Now, Moon Unit has gone on to do many things, including dropping the unit part of her name. She's written books She's an actor, she's a sometimes musician. She's also out right now talking about a movie, a documentary about her father's life called Eat That Question, Frank Zappa in His Own Words. Now, this is an interesting film because it cuts away all the talking heads, all the usual things that we're used to seeing in documentaries. There are no ex-drummers talking about what a taskmaster Frank Zappa was. There's no interviews with his wife, Gail, or his family, his four kids. I'm at Moon Unit, Dweezel and there's another one, Diva. There's no interviews with anyone except for Frank Zappa. It's all archival footage. It's an interesting look at a man who was a bit of a contradiction, I think. He was a very serious musician who had uh, an occasionally less than serious presentation about himself. Uh, I recently spoke with Moon Zappa uh, about Valley Girl. We got to that near the end. I was just curious about that. But we talked about her dad. We talked about what it was like to grow up in the Zappa household. We talked about um, the effect that it's had on her long-term life. We talked about a lot of stuff. She was really, I thought, fascinating. Uh, We also talked about, eat that question, Frank Zappa in his own words. She likes it, by the way. Let's have a listen to my interview with Moon Zappa. I've always been uh, a fan of your dad's, uh, but I had never really felt that um, I had seen uh, anything like this before, I liked that there was no talking head commentary other than from him.
1: Isn't that a fantastic storytelling technique? It, so unique, and I'm sure it will be emulated after this.
0: I, I think so. I mean, it's, you know, there used to be books years ago, you'd buy these books, David Bowie in his own words, and Mick Jagger in his own words, and they were just collections of quotes. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of driven towards them because uh, they, they seemed to me to be pretty pure. You know, it was yeah. just exactly kind of what uh, the the you know the mind of the of the artist uh, speaking, rather than being interpreted by anyone. Absolutely. Now, my question to you, I guess, then is: when you watch this film, do you see uh, the Frank who was your father, or do you see a public Frank, and/or is there a difference?
1: Um. Hmm. hmm, hmm. Um. I see both. Right. I see both. Uh I think that and definitely there was a difference. Uh but but what was interesting for me as an adult watching this uh film and versus being a kid growing up with him was I began to wonder oh if it, if that was a persona that he kind of adopted because he understood oh this is a this 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 shape of me this costume me is also uh it, it's also it's it it's it, it can be my public me i am not i'm not entirely certain now when i when i watch it because uh even the stance of thinking he was ugly or or thinking that he um uh I mean, I grew up thinking he thought he was ugly, and now I wonder, did he think he was ugly? <laughs> just on the most basic level, and then you think, does he think he's excluded? Did he really think he was excluded? And it's it's, it's just interesting to to, to view it as a, as, a, as a parent now and as an adult.
0: So do you think that uh, your perception of him then, you know, as you were growing up in the house, I mean, he was, it, it's hard for me because he has loomed so large in, you know, my appreciation of music and my my musical life for so long. It's kind of hard for me to imagine that, you know, you get ready for school and, and he's sitting around having a coffee, you know, before going to the studio or doing whatever he was during the day, that he had some kind of regular life. But it must have been the case, right?
1: Oh, he definitely had a regular life. He, uh, uh the thing for me it really is hilarious I uh, naively I saw this again this quiet shy man who uh, who thought he was ugly who couldn't cook who deflected with humor couldn't really have a, 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 a confrontational conversation uh, without deflecting with humor he he was um, uh, he just struck me as just a I don't know just a sicilian guy and and so uh, to see that he had this whole other life away from us, I just projected that quiet hard working uh, shy guy onto the world and so as an adult going wait a second thats of course that's ridiculous of course he had this other life and for example I knew he had cheated a few times but I didn't realize the magnitude of the of the cheating and uh, from one perspective it's a fantastic rock and roll perk but for a daughter it's it feels pretty crappy to have a, a, a cheater dad and it, 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 it definitely sends a different message to, to a daughter than to a son I think um, and so that that that's something, I'm, I'm also reconciling. And, I'm, and I also have tremendous respect for him, but it's, it's, it's also confusing.
0: Did you learn anything? I mean, it, and uh, that sounds maybe silly, but, you know, this is an hour and a half of very compressed talking, and, and there are moments, like when you said about the cheating, he says something, I don't do drugs unless I take penicillin when I'm yes, on the road. Yes, that was a, that,
1: I was wanted. flabbergasted <laughs> yeah. by that, and that actually prompted me to start asking because uh, I saw the film before my mother passed, and I started asking everybody that was coming to say goodbye to my mother, I started asking, was he like a little bit of a slut or a lot of bit of a slut? And, because uh, you just, again, I, I had this, I just projected that, that dad, I could understand a, a handful of times cheating because my mother was uh, he was away, or my mother was uh, would become angry, and they'd have arguments, and, and one team was the groupie era. into the house, and yeah. it was the era, and on and on. But, uh, but it was quite shocking to, to hear uh, other data about how, how, uh, how prolific he was also as, a, as, a, as an enjoyer of uh, the offerings.
0: <laughs> uh, does this film, when you watch it, what feelings does it bring up for you because um, your, your dad passed some time ago now but here he is you know, in living color in front of you again. Um, are you able to sort of separate the, the public and the private or is it all jumbled up for you?
1: Um yeah I mean I'm I'm able to separate what was my private experience and and uh I hated sharing him with the fans growing up and now I really love hearing the stories about the the, the moment that they uh that the, the thunderbolt struck and what what transformed their lives because he was a, he 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 did speak to the underdogs and he did uh illuminate many minds and he did um uh, you, you you have a little taste of them and you you want more. You you feel uh, just uh, you want to have them all to yourself. And I certainly had that feeling. So now I like sharing those stories, but at the time I just thought I really want them all to myself. I once I once brought them to show and tell uh, when I was I think in third grade, so I would have been about eight and. I was so excited to share my dad with the class, like, this is my dad. And then he spent the uh, most of the time tickling all of the other children, and I was furious. I was just like, what a giant waste of time this was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they loved it, you know?
0: It, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, it just, for me, seems like such a different world. But, uh, you know, I saw him for the first time at Maple Leaf Gardens, just down the road from where I'm sitting right now. And uh, it was probably 1981 or 82 or something like that. And it gave me a, a much fuller appreciation for the music because I think the way to experience that music was live. Because it, it just felt different to me than sitting at home and listening to the records. Yeah. And, and you get a great sense of that in this movie. Um, I like that this movie focuses, by and large, I mean, there are a number of the, of the songs that kind of everybody knows, and there are Bobby Brand and things like that, but there's a lot of the more avant-garde stuff in here, and it's beautiful, and it's really lovely to see the look on his face near the end of the film. As he 's listening to this ensemble playing uh, this piece of music that he 's written, and the look in his film says or on his face says more, I think than almost all the conversation that has come before it about his love of music. yeah, it really struck me
1: yeah, absolutely agree
0: um, now, what don't people know about your father that you wish that they did?
1: Well, I think this film really nails it. I mean, this is the this is exactly how I wish that the world could perceive him. I think that's why this film. That's why I'm doing all the the press for it, and 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 was begging them, please let me go and <laughs> come to the screenings. Please let me help because I I, I so believe in this this film. Uh, and while there have been uh, many films uh, made about my father, and I'm sure many to come, uh, this one for me really tells the story of my father answering his calling and, and the stamina required to try to see a dream through. And that is a story that's a human story. And I think that's why this story connects on that level universally. And then if you're if you're uh and then just my father as a as a character, this this um this misfit this misfit trying to be seen in this uh kind of erudite uh Fancy ass world. He 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 just in a in a culture that doesn't even have a point of reference for it. I mean, in overseas, you can go hear classical music uh, any night of the week, and you get to even hear it in a castle, and you get to hear it maybe near where the guy who composed it was when he when he wrote it. And so there's the it's it's intertwined with with the culture there. And as my father says in the film, we're just not. Uh, accustomed to excellence in in this country, and so very often, even if we're exposed to it, we don't have a a point of reference and an entry point to to even interface with excellence. And so that's why he was such an advocate for for culture and for... and diversity and exposure to other 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 things i mean he'd come home from a tour and he'd bring back uh, music for me and it would be the three mustafas and the bulgarian women's music choir and and the modets and lena lovitch and nina hagen and uh, and gang of 4 and maybe some amy grant on the side <laughs> so he he was just uh, he was just interested in in every one and everything, and I remember another time he he uh, he sat down with me and uh, he he showed me a a porno film called uh, Fatliners. Flatliners had just come out and they somebody had decided this what, that's a pretty good title, but we 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 think we can do better. Right. Fatliners, and my father was just watching this uh, as a kind of. Uh, uh, Cultural anthropologist saying, "Can you believe we share a planet with these people?" And and so, because uh, you know, from one perspective, you can say, "Who sits down and watches porn with their dad?" But this is this is I I was uh, I had uh, the awareness of, of of how wrong that was and how oh so right it was because this is this is a satirist saying, "Good God, this planet is a spinning toilet, and and we get to we have front row seats any day of the week." So.
0: Do you think that you have adopted that kind of outlook?
1: I know I have. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just – I think I'm a lot more tolerant of a lot more stuff J- just just by, by having grown up with somebody who um, just made the space to respect other people uh, just as they were, to accept them just as they were. Uh, that was – Certainly the, the, it seemed to be the, the aim of, of the, the culture of my home, but uh, I, I think my father really achieved that, and I, I, that's something that I, I really admired.
0: It's interesting. You, you described him as a quiet and shy man, and then you just used the word respectful, and it's, I, I really liked in these interviews, even when the going gets kind of combative sometimes, and some of the interviews, particularly... Uh, And some of the older ones, the black and white ones, there's one where they literally, to his face, introduce him as, like, this filthy, dirty hippie for whatever it was. Absolutely unacceptable. But – uh, he doesn't rankle at it. Mm-mm. He he continues on. And even when he's uh, in front of the, the Senate congressional hearings, uh, the, the the congressperson says something like, what kind of toys do your children play? And he, uh, Does your wife buy them or do you buy them? Whatever the line of questioning was. And then he says, well, come on over to the house and look for yourself. There's no co- combativeness. He's probably the smartest guy in the room. He knows yeah. it. And, yeah. and, and he was willing to let them speak, and it was all very respectful. And for such an accomplishment, as he was i found that a really sort of interesting look at him as well
1: that absolutely is the dad i grew up with mm-hmm. for sure he never raised his voice in in very sharp contrast to my tyrannical mother but she, <laughs> the one thing i can say about my mother is she had uh she she had a, a kind of devotion to him that uh that uh i found pretty, pretty amazing.
0: Well, a difficult life probably. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I just say, you know, there's four kids. He's probably away all the time. And when he's there, he's in the studio. It's it, my perception of it is anyway, uh, a great deal of the time. And that's rough, I think.
1: Definitely. I mean, I, what gave me empathy for my mom was, uh, her, her struggle of, of having this man that, that, uh, he had other interests elsewhere and he was gone a lot of the time and so I, I as as barky as she was i just kept saying well she's got it she's got it tough and and so uh it, it was definitely uh <laughs> it was turbulent at home but uh when he wasn't there and uh so it was it was it was an interesting an interesting
0: time <laughs> I I think it would have been an interesting time to grow up uh in the sort of you know late 70s and early 80s in Los Angeles with uh, a famous parent. It seems I think probably um different than it would be now.
1: Well, the difference too of, of having this famous parent is is that he he was a Sicilian patriarchal parent. It, it, he so I didn't I didn't have boyfriends until I moved out of the house and um, <laughs> And they—they, uh, they, I remember, my mother said, if you want to smoke or drink, you have to do it in the house. But it's expensive, and uh, and so it was not interesting to me. So rebellion in my home would have been joining the military or or becoming a Republican or uh, becoming a, a Christian. It, it would have been uh, because what do you do if there's no if there are no boundaries, no edges? Do you
0: know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's. It, it, was that good or bad for you? Do you
1: think? For, I, for me, I would. I, I did not enjoy that. I, 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 I longed for structure. When I saw John Hughes films, I was, I was just wait. People sit at a dinner table. Wait. People say sorry. Wait. I, I just it, the whole thing was just absolutely fascinating. Even to this day, when I see somebody with a like a sweater draped over their shoulders or a, a loafer and an exposed <laughs> ankle, I'm just like that is so exotic.
0: It's different strokes for different folks. Exactly.
1: You know? <laughs> no, I think, I think if I'd grown up in the repression my father ex- encountered, I might also have, have uh, uh, put two rocket boosters on my back. But growing up with that much uh, um, stimulus, I, I was like, what blinders? Are there any hats? They're turtleneck bathing suits. What's happening? It was just too much. You just you want to just like, is there a pause button? Can you slow it down? It was like fastball pitches every single minute.
0: Well, it, it it must teach you something. I can be difficult, but it must teach you something.
1: Yes, I'm sure I have leadership skills that are right. hideously underutilized at the moment. <laughs> so <That's
0: right. laughs> um, Valley Girl was an enormous hit. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Well, from
1: the, the the story is, I wanted to work with my dad, and the only reason why I wanted to work with him is because I wanted to spend time with him, and I I, I figured that that's where he spent all his time. So if we worked together, then. Uh, I would get to spend some time with him. So I, I wrote a note, I slid him under the door, said let's 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 work together. He woke me up on a school night, not my favorite time to work, but you got to take it as it comes. And uh and so I, I got to um spend some quality time with my dad for a few hours making him laugh and he would give me a a kind of improvised prompt and I would I'd I'd spin off on that idea and then he edited this thing together that was just silly cuz that voice made him laugh and um and then all of a sudden it was on an album he went away on tour and then i had instant popularity at a time when i had cystic acne and i was like this is the worst possible timing for such things and mm-hmm. and um and I, again if you if you i had never had any any aims to, to be to be in in the public eye, and so it was it was very overwhelming as a as a, as a young person. Because you were and 14, right? I was 14, and I was I was definitely a young 14. I was not a mature 14. Um, and so, I mean, there was maturity around co- the complexities of of oh, what do you, how do you handle moving a groupie into the ha- house and <laughs> things of this nature? But uh, uh, but it was definitely uh, overwhelming for me. And then. And then uh, later, t- I mean, very, very quickly, people—I was—I was almost perceived as a flash in the pan uh, at home, and and people were uh, not very kind. Uh, there was—I had a taste of bullying immediately, and it was—it 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 was, it was definitely difficult. And it was—I think my father was very frustrated that that song, of all the songs he'd ever written up to that point, was the FM radio launch. It was—it
0: was. It was uh, Uh, A very strange time indeed. You know what? I liked her. I liked Moon Zappa. Interesting to hear about getting quite famous when you're too young to handle it. I thought that was really interesting stuff. Also, she's someone, name-wise anyway, who's been famous literally since the minute her birth certificate was issued and the name Moon Unit was on it. She became kind of part of that great pop culture cloud that kind of hangs over all of us. So even if you don't know who she is, you probably know the name. Uh, Fascinating look at the inner workings of the Zappa household. Uh, Glad to be able to share it with you. But that's it. We're done. It's over. Get out of here. Get out of the house of Krause. Go see Eat That Question, Frank Zappa in his own words. And uh, be sure to drop by next week We put up a new show every single Monday. You never know who's going to drop by. And you know what? It might just be one of your favorites. So make sure you swing by and see us.